Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. I am super expectant this morning. I'm excited to continue to share with you what is our summer theme, Heart for the House. Everybody say, Heart for the House. And what we're doing is we are uh, over the summer months because we believe that a great time of, of, of just a great move of God is coming this fall. We really believe it. We sense it in, in our hearts that it's coming. And over the summer, we're just taking some time to refresh and refocus on who we are. It's important to know who you are. Wouldn't you say that's important? So I want to just encourage you. I know many of you were here last Sunday. A few of you were uh, out of town or out sick or whatever. Maybe this is your first time and you've never been here before. But I would really like to invite you to go back and listen to last Sunday's message because I, I left last Sunday thinking that might be the most important message I've ever preached at Encounter Church, okay? It has so much to do with our heart for this house and our heart for what God wants to do. So go back and listen to last week if you weren't here but let's just take a really quick uh, review at what we first started looking at last week, and that is our vision, our mission, and today we're going to take it a step further, and we're going to give our definition. Did you know that there's an actually a, a definition of who we are? A vision is what we see, and again, if you haven't noticed, we have a vision around here. You've probably heard it again and again. We say it all the time. Every single thing we do as a church is to see one thing happen, and that is to... Help people encounter God. Everybody say, helping people encounter God. Come on, let's do it again. Helping people encounter God. Everything we do as a church has that end. We have that in sight in everything we do. And we say that around here at Encounter Church, we help people encounter God by doing three things. That's our mission. And again, you see it every time you walk in. It's on the back wall. We talk about it all the time. It's plastered everywhere. And that is that we reach disciple and revive right we reach people and that's what we totally focused on last Sunday the importance of reaching people for Jesus of bringing and, and, and inviting new people to get to know Jesus people that don't know Jesus helping them to know Jesus reaching people and then disciple to make disciples of Jesus right which is where we're going to uh, really hone in today and then revive we believe that the result of reaching people and making disciples will be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we see happening in the Bible. When the gospel is being preached and, the, and disciples are being made, the Holy Spirit gets poured out. Amen? So a, a, as a church that's all about revival, we're all about just hosting an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody want to experience those three things here in the house? That is our heart for the house. And, you know, that leads us to, well, if our vision is helping people encounter God... And what we do, or the way we do that, is by reaching, discipling, and reviving. What does that make us? Come on, ask somebody, what is Encounter Church anyway? What are we? I mean, what if somebody asks you? I've heard about this Encounter thing. What's Encounter Church? Um, it's a church building that sits in the second story of a um, medical complex on the road that straddles Kennesaw and Ackworth. Is that what we are? No. What is Encounter Church? It's important to know what we are so we can be what we are, right? 
Come on, if you don't know what you are, you're not going to be what you are. Or you're going to struggle to be what you are. It's important to know what you are, right? Hello. Come on, if you're a school teacher, but you don't know you're a school teacher, you might struggle a little bit before the children. If you're a mom and you don't realize you're a mom, you're going to have major trouble. Are y'all all right? So what is Encounter Church anyway? Because if we have that super crystal clear, we can be what we are. Amen? All right, so if you want to pull out your uh, bulletin, this is the first phrase I believe you have there. And that is what Encounter Church is. If you pull up our website, it'll be one of the first things you see. Encounter Church is. Can we get that here? What do you mean, no? The definition? We don't have it for the... Oh, my. Do you all have it in your bulletin? All right. Well, let me say it and help you fill it out there. Encounter Church is a diverse family gathered around and united by the presence of Jesus, driven to make disciples. Can we read that together now? Encounter Church is a diverse family gathered around and united by the presence of Jesus, driven to make disciples. Now, that's very important because last year we started using a term, which is the title of today's message, right? And that is presence-driven discipleship. Everybody say, presence-driven discipleship. We are driven to do something, and there's this thing that drives us, okay? Presence-driven discipleship. You might be saying, what in the world is that? Well, that's what I'm going to break down for you today. Are you okay? Yeah. Now, the first thing I want everybody to do, because we're all so used to just having the Bible on the screen that we forget to use our Bibles, right? So why don't you pull out your Bible? The 1% of you that actually have a Bible, and the 99% of you that might want to just pull up the Bible app, all right? I want you to look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, says this. Jesus came and told them, I've been given all authority in your Christian bubble. Therefore, come and be my believers, ever growing and maturing in the deeper realms of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit until you are fully submerged in the fullness of theology and fulfilled <laughs> in finding your niche and personal calling. Stay right here and focus all your energy on getting other sympathizers to come to your cool, relevant church so they too can connect. And I should have said, relate with other people just like them and feel comfortable enough to want to come back and bring their other Christian friends too. <laughs> then you shall discover all your spiritual gifts and practice them on each other until you're all experts. And be sure of this. I'm with you every time you come together at church. Even until you die and go to heaven. Hallelujah. While the whole world perishes in sin. Have a great day.
How many of us know that ain't Matthew 28? (laughs) But how many of us felt a little twinge? How many of us felt a couple of toes hurting? I know I sure did. Because that describes many churches in this day and age. It's all about finding somewhere where I belong, where I fit in, where I can find others like me so I can connect and relate. And then in that relationships and doing life together, I can find my calling and how I really fit in. And then my spiritual gifts will be discovered. And then I'll have a group of people to practice them on and then really not do anything. And then six of seven million people in our region perish. Oh. I'm not saying that to be ugly. I'm saying that this is time for us to have a wake-up call. That is not church. That is not the ministry. That is not the mission. Let's look at what Matthew 28 really says. And I'm going to emphasize on five words that at the end of this word today, I'm going to break it down for you, okay? But Matthew 28, 18 through 20 actually says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in, the, in heaven or in the heavens and on earth. Therefore, go and make, uh-oh, disciples of all the nations. A better translation of that is all kinds of people or all peoples, Okay baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. Uh Uh-oh. Teach whom? New ones, right? To obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always to the end of the age. Again, we're going to break that down here in a few minutes as we get ready to close the message. But I want us to look at another scripture this morning from Matthew 16, verses 15 through 19 says this then he asked them but who do you say i am simon peter answered you're the messiah the son of the living god how many of us know that was the right answer come on somebody he peter knew who jesus was or at least he was beginning to discover it because if you keep on reading later it seems like they still kind of doubt a little bit here and there yet they were still disciples did you know you can be a growing disciple even if you still have doubts and you're not there yet Come on, somebody. He knew who Jesus was. And Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. Everybody say rock. And upon this rock, I want you to go and spend all your energy building my church for me, please. Is that what Jesus said? Mm Mm-mm. He said, upon this rock, I, everybody say, I, I I will build my church and the powers of all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Let's keep reading and everything. uh, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. All right. Y'all ready to roll with this? Everybody say this rock. Is the building block. Come on, this rock is the building block. Tell somebody behind you, this rock is the building block. Simon, who Jesus nicknamed Peter, 
because it meant rock, right, represents the type of person upon which Jesus will build his church. Simon, whom Jesus nicknamed Peter, represented the type of person he was going to use to build his church. What do I mean by that? Rock, when Jesus said upon this rock, he wasn't saying specifically upon you, Peter, this man, right? But based upon what you just said, based upon the revelation you have that I am the Christ, that I am the Messiah, that I am the Savior, I am the anointed one, I am the Redeemer, Peter had understood who Jesus really was, and Jesus said, based upon that, that makes you a rock. Everybody say rock. And this rock is the building block. Jesus builds his church upon disciples. Jesus builds his church upon disciples. Rock represents solid disciples. Come on, somebody. Men, women, and children whose lives are built upon the revelation that Jesus is the Lord. That's what God uses. That's what Jesus uses to build his church. And we've got to make sure that we have an accurate perspective. Jesus said two very interesting things that we often, I'll just be honest, I've been a crazy, radical soul winner in my high school and when I was in college. I was a missionary for eight years. I was a youth pastor for six and a half years. And I've been a church planter and pastor now for five years. About 22 years of ministry. We often get backwards what Jesus said is the way it's supposed to work. Because a lot of times, we're all about let's build the church. Expecting Jesus somehow to miraculously make disciples. But Jesus said, I'll build my church, you make disciples. Come on, I want to, all right, y'all can clap at that if you want to. (laughs) Sorry for breaking into that. Somebody needed a praise break. I read this, uh, this paragraph uh, earlier this week, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Kind of like, I knew that, but doggone it. That's easy to get the wrong way. And, um, what I'm going to read was written by uh, a missionary who went on a mission trip planning to only be in, uh, actually in Manila in the Philippines for one month, and... His missions group, they won 165 university students to Jesus and began to disciple them over the, over the course of that month. And then they realized, we got to do something with all these people. There's no pastor. So a one-month mission trip has now become like 20 or 30-something years of them living full-time uh, in the Philippines. And now, get this, the 165 university students that they won has now become a 15-campus congregation of 65,000 disciples just in Manila. Okay, he said this. Think it's worth listening to what he said? Yeah. Jesus told his followers that he would build his church. Then one of the last things he told them to do was make disciples. It's that simple. We make disciples, 
and he builds the church. We don't build the church, and he doesn't make disciples. All we've done at our church since 1984 is make disciples, and he continues to build those disciples into a church. It's easy to get this backwards. It is. And it is the tendency, especially, and I'm not poking, I'm I'm poking a little fun, but I'm not being mean about it. It's especially the tendency of the westernized church. We're all about building our churches and seeing how many people we can get to come to our great churches. But Jesus didn't say that that was the mission. Jesus said, you make disciples, and with those disciples, I'll build my church. With these rocks, with these disciples that you're going to make, I'm going to take these rocks, and then later on, the New Testament refers to them as living stones, right? And he is building us into his temple. He's building us into the church. When we start focusing on how we can build a great church, and we lose focus on how can we make disciples, we get off. Have you ever gotten off? I don't mean just in this, but have you ever been living, you know, just going through your life and, you know, you, things are going good and all of a sudden something just somehow you got off. You got like off track. And then you have like a wake up call. Ooh, I need to get back on track. I need to get back to what, what I was doing. I need to get back going in the right direction. And I really feel like that's what the Holy Spirit is saying to us as, as a church family encounter church and to the church. It's easy to get off. And, and the Holy Spirit is lovingly calling us to get back on track. Come on, tell your neighbor, you make disciples. Uh-oh, that, some, some of y'all didn't want to say it. Come on, you can say it quietly. That's all right. Say, you make disciples. He builds the church. I am, and I will make more. That's how we started this church. We didn't start with a church service. We started by reaching out to people in our city. We started by winning people to Jesus. We started by teaching new folks how to follow Jesus, and then all of a sudden we had a church because Jesus did that because he's interested in building his church, y'all. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. After all, who's Apollos? And who's Paul? Because they were fighting over who their discipler was. Was. Words. That's a better word. I don't know who your discipler was, but the Corinthians were fighting over, well, Peter, I mean, um, Paul's my leader. No, Apollos is my leader. Well, I only follow Jesus, which is just a bunch of nonsense, okay? And Paul said, who's Apollos anyway? Who's Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Passion Translation said it like this. I like this. I was the one who planted the church and Apollos came and cared for it. But it was God who caused it to grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is God who makes the seed grow. The, uh, the one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. We don't have to work for the gospel. 
You don't have to work to be saved, but if you want to extend the kingdom of God into all nations so Jesus could come back, by golly, there's a lot of work to get done. We make disciples. God goes, grows the church. Now, come on, let's personalize it because I don't have y'all talking to people too much today, but let's talk to ourselves for a second. You ready? I want everybody to say it. So I'm new here. I don't know what's going on. That's all right. You'll get it. Come on, say it. I make disciples. Jesus grows the church. Perspective check for all of us. Y'all ready? There's only one ministry. There really is just one ministry. Just one. It's expressed in many, 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 many different ways. But if you say, I want to be in ministry, that means one thing to God, to make disciples. That's what it means. Our, our personal relationship with the Lord, we minister to the Lord. Okay, no, okay that's, that's not what I'm talking about. You got to have that first. <laughs> you got to be in relationship with God. But there's one ministry on earth. There really is just one. Making disciples. Jesus didn't give us any other version of the ministry. Jesus didn't give us the version of discover all your spiritual gifts and get really good at them. Even, come on, the five-fold ministry, all the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Come on, let me go a little further. All the spiritual gifts... All the talents that you have, all of the abilities that you have, all of the relationships, all of the influence, all of the favor, it all goes towards one ministry, one thing. It all boils down to this, making disciples of Jesus. If we're not making disciples, we have a contained kingdom. If we're not making disciples, even if we're spirit-filled, climbing the walls, Pentecostal, walking on the ceiling, prophesying to everything that breathes and bringing life to things that already died. If you can speak in 700 tongues and you have words of wisdom for everybody, great. Y'all know we'd like all that here. But all of that really is for one purpose. It's to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Y'all all right? Now, this is something that I heard a couple of weeks ago. And when I heard it, I, I was getting ready to talk about this. And you know, again, it's like one of those things that you know already, but you didn't, it just didn't click all the way. That was this, Okay. You can't build the church upon manifestation. All right? Bear with me. You can't build the church upon manifestation. What do I mean manifestation? The presence. The presence. Now, we are a presence church. Y'all know that. We're experiencing it today. We love the presence. We're all about the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're all about, the, yes, all the gifts and the anointing and all that, but more than anything else, it's the presence of God. One of the promises God gave us is that we would be a church. When people would walk in, they would go, God is here, right? We're all about the presence. But you actually can't build the church. God isn't building his church on the presence. 
He's not. Oh, man. I see some puzzled faces like my face kind of went. Hmm. Jesus did not tell Peter. Upon my presence, I will build my church. He said, upon this rock, you, buddy, I'm going to build my church. The church is not built upon presence. It's built upon disciples. Now, let me be careful because I want us to understand. We gather around his presence. But we build upon disciples. We gather around his presence. Because if all it is is just discipleship, 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 and there's no presence, well, then, okay, that's a great organization and everything. But what marks us and makes us different than anybody else in the whole world is the presence of Jesus, right? But if all we've got is presence, 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 and we're not building any disciples, 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 nothing's really getting built. If the church is going to be built on presence, then let's just run from one place to another where the manifestations are happening. But I don't know if you've noticed, that doesn't build anything. Y'all know me, and some of you don't know me. But a lot of you know me. I will go where the manifest presence is because I love the presence. If I hear there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit happening, I'm going to run over there. I'm going to get in it. I love me some presence. I'm a presence junkie. That's just the way it is, okay? I love the presence of Jesus. But I have also noticed that when it's just presence, 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 all it becomes is a holy huddle. All it becomes is a bless me club. While the world is dying in sin and going to hell every day. While a bunch of people gather around the presence that aren't really following Jesus, they just like the presence. Whoo! God doesn't build his church on, upon manifesta- manifestations or presence. He builds his church on disciples. It's just disciples gather around the presence, and that's where the good stuff happens. Are y'all with me? If we, and this is where I want us to be careful as a church, we are a revival cultural church. We are. You, we can't get away from it. I don't want to get away from it. It's just this thing is just going to grow more and more. The presence of God is going to get stronger and stronger. I came in here at 11 o'clock last night just to spend some time praying for today. The presence of God was so tangible and so strong, I like keeled over here in the altar and just lay here for a while. And several times have I been in here late at night praying, and I know I'm scared out of my wits because I know there are angels. I've heard them. I've felt them. He's here, Okay. But what if we just have a bunch of presents, a bunch of presents, and nobody's life gets built upon Jesus? You can go to revival services all your life and not follow Jesus. You can be touched. <laughs> and not obey. Help me, Jesus. I only got 11 minutes to finish this. Lord, have mercy. It's going to be all right. This is not a bless me club. I love each and every one of you in here. I don't even know all of you, but I'm so glad you're a part of our family, okay? 
But this is not a bless me club. This is not where we just come to get some more and some more and some more and some more. This is not a holy huddle. Although we pursue holiness and we huddle. <laughs> but that's not, who, that's not what we are. We are a diverse family. Look around. Wow. This is what the kingdom looks like. And it's going to look more and more and more like this. All right. We're a diverse family and we are unite. We gather around and we're united because of the presence of Jesus. But we are driven to make disciples. We are driven to make disciples. If all you got is presence, did nothing get built. All right. So what is presence driven discipleship? You down with PDD? Yeah, you know me. I had to make sure you're really awake and with me. Sometimes I lose a few of you. All right. Come on, ask your neighbor. You down with PDD? Oh. By no means do I endorse the original version of that song, and my name is Hunter Howard, and I approve of this message. All right. So... <laughs> Presence-driven discipleship. Here's a very simple kind of explanation of what presence-driven discipleship is. And I bet you can already tell me because it's what we've been saying all morning. We gather around his presence to make disciples. We gather around his presence to make disciples. <sighs> I've been having you talk a lot. Let's talk a little bit more. Tell somebody. Be a disciple. Make disciples. Let's chew on this. Just, just a second. Want to chew on something? I've been chewing on this for about 10 days. Like, Lord Jesus, this needs to digest. Y'all ready? Jesus spent his entire ministry training 12 men to replace himself. That's what he did. Yeah, he went around and he preached the good news and the parables and he healed the sick and, but, and he delivered people and all that. But, but the majority of what he did, what he invested his life in, was into 12 young guys who were going to take over. He spent time investing in others to replace himself. And a lot of people don't do that in ministry. A lot of people in church, we're just trying to attain a position that we can keep. And Jesus was trying to get them into a position so he could leave. Yes. Uh, Steve Merle, who wrote this, uh, this book that I read, that paragraph out of a minute ago, it's called Wiki Church. He said, Jesus was always leading, planning to leave. <laughs> Jesus was leading with the idea of leaving, always. He knew that if it was only him doing the ministry, it would only go so far. But if he could disciple others, if he could teach others to do what he was doing, he could go off back into eternity, into the heavens, right? And those 12 guys who eventually came 11, because sometimes that happens, unfortunately. But those 11 guys eventually became 12 again, and eventually... 2019, here we are today, disciples of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus spent time pouring into a few guys that would replace him. 
I know some of you are like, I don't know what this ministry thing, I'm not even in ministry, but let me, I'll get to that, and we're going to talk a lot more about that, but I want to just say to those of you that are in some form of ministry, whether you're leading a ministry, you're serving in a ministry, you're wanting to be in ministry, listen, many of us don't lead like this. We lead and we serve in order to attain a position, and then we do everything we can to keep it, because it becomes like, oh, this is what I do, this is my identity. Let me tell you a better identity. Multiply yourself. There's a better strategy. Do it the Jesus way. Jesus did all that he did in order to multiply himself and 12 uh, 12 other men who would go and do the same and take over the world. What does it mean to be a disciple? We'll talk a lot more about that in the coming weeks. But basically, very simply, to be a disciple is to follow Jesus and learn to do what he did. And to make a disciple is to call others to follow Jesus and train them to do what he did. It's not complicated. I didn't say it's not hard. Sometimes it's hard. But it's not complicated. I follow him and I mimic what he did. And if I'm making disciples, I'm... Teaching others to do the same. I'm inviting others. Come on, let's do what Jesus did. That's what it means to, make, to be a disciple and to make disciples. And at Encounter Church, we ruthlessly and relentlessly work towards one goal, and that is to make more disciples of Jesus. Not just a group of better disciples. Because if you're already a disciple, your eternal destiny has been taken care of. We ruthlessly and relentlessly after making, going after more disciples. New ones, Jesus said. So, let's land this today back to Matthew 28. I want to just really quickly hit five words in this verse that are very important. And if you want to put Matt, the real Matthew 28 back up on the screen. The first word, it's in your bulletin there. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. The first word is authority. And this is spiritual authority that we have in Christ. Jesus said, he didn't just say authority. He said in heaven or in the heavens or in the spirit. Okay? That's really what he said. And on earth. Now, what was he saying? That he has authority over angels and demons, principalities and powers, authority in the heavens, authority in the spirit. And if you're his disciple, guess what you have? Authority in the spirit. Authority to access angels and to bind demons and to cast them out. Authority in the spiritual atmosphere. But it also, he also said, I have all authority on earth. This is favor and influence. Favor and influence. God wants to give you authority in the spirit. And he wants to give you authority on earth. He wants to give you favor and influence. Matthew 16, Jesus said, um, we read it already, but he said, whatever you bind and loose in heaven would be bound and loose on earth. In other words, we have authority in the spirit. We're not controlled by the spirit realm. We actually have the authority to Influence the spirit realm to influence what's going on. And we have authority. He's, been, he's given us authority, favor, and influence on earth. Now, this is very important. I promise you I'm going to go quick with this, and we're going to end it soon, okay? 
but this is really important. Jesus, what he said here, has nothing to do with authority over another person. Nothing at all. Because some disciple makers make it about, well, now you're my disciple and I'm over you. Now listen, if you're being discipled by somebody, you better see them as over you because they know more than you and they can teach you something. But authority, this kind of authority, Jesus wasn't saying get some disciples and then rule over them. And in fact, he taught his disciples that's not the way we do things around here. Right? It has nothing to do with authority over another person. The authority is Jesus. The authority is Jesus and his word. Now, as we make disciples, we are teaching people to follow and submit and be accountable to Jesus, not to us. Because a lot of what people call discipleship is just an accountability partner. My friends, that is not discipleship. Praise the Lord that you have somebody to be accountable to. Awesome. Be a, and, if, and if the person that is discipling you or somebody you're discipling, there's an accountability thing going on, praise the Lord. We need that. But that ain't discipleship. That's not discipleship. Discipleship isn't making you accountable to me. Discipleship is making you accountable to Jesus. He's the authority. I don't want you to submit to me. I want you to submit to him. That's what discipleship is. And, and, and it's an in, in interesting that he says this whole thing about having all authority, which I also think, like, let me tell you I have all authority, so you better listen to what I'm about to say, right? He prefaced what he was about to say with, remember who I am, I have all authority, right? And then he said, therefore, go. Therefore. In other words, because of what I just told you, now you can go. In other words, Guys and girls, y'all all right? If we're going to get the job done, we need some authority. And now we have it. So go. Number two. First is authority. Number two, go. Disciples don't come. We have to go get them. Disciples don't come. We have to go get them. Even Jesus Went around, he said, you come, you come. And a couple of them went and found some others and said, hey, you come. We have to go get disciples. Unfortunately, the church spends much of its energy trying to get people to come rather than going and getting the people. If we go for them, they will come. Encounter church. We're not all about Having this a marvelous, wonderful Sunday experience that attracts the masses to come here. If people aren't interested in following Jesus yet, they're not going to come anyway. It doesn't matter how wonderful our experience is. As great as it was to come in and see Frank welcoming all of us here. Thank you. As amazing as our worship team is, come on. As awesome as our kids' ministry is. As excellent as our coffee and hospitality and greeters and videos and everything we do, as excellent as it may be, that won't get anybody to come. Except people that are already interested. 
except people. You know what? A lot of people, they're just so satisfied with the church they used to go to, and they're looking for something better. And a lot of church growth today is that. It's just that. It's like, oh, I'm going to go over there because that's better. It's more relevant. It's more whatever. I like that experience better than this experience. I'm not saying we're going to have any less excellence in our Sunday service. We're going to get better and better at it because when we do go get people and they come, they're going to come up in this house and say, God is here. And I want to be a part of this, right? But if we pretend that we're going to win our city by getting them to come to church, we are deceived. We're mistaken. Disciples don't come. We got to go get them. Or any of you, I know that some of us are old enough to have watched a movie in 1989 called Field of Dreams. Anybody watch Field of Dreams? Who has never heard of the movie Field of Dreams? <laughs> Y'all need to go home and rent it. Well, let me tell you, it's wrong. It's a great movie. And it might work for baseball. What was the famous phrase from Field of Dreams? If you build it, they will come, right? And they did. He built a stadium and they came, right, to watch baseball. Okay. That might be the case for SunTrust Park. <laughs> but how many of us have realized the kingdom does not work like that? It doesn't matter what you build. They ain't coming. If it were all about building great churches, the whole entire nation would be in church this morning. Because don't we have thousands of them that are great? See, that's a great movie, but it was wrong. The kingdom doesn't work this way. This is how it works. If you go get them, they will come. <laughs> and Jesus, in Jesus' words, if you go get them, I'll build it. Don't worry about building it and hoping they'll come. You go get them to come and I'll build it. Right? <sighs> now, just really quickly from that verse, it says, go, let, let, let's just stay on Matthew 20. I mean, let's go back to Matthew 28. I'm sorry. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. And I said it earlier, just that one more time. A better translation of that word. It is all nations, but when it says all nations, it means all peoples or all types of people or all people groups, okay? It doesn't necessarily mean you just have to go into another nation. No, we do that too. We talked about that last Sunday, right? But all peoples, in, in other words, we got to reach some peoples. We do, and I just, I want you to hear this with the heart of the house. We ought to be going to all kinds of people, not only those who are just like us. Unfortunately, still, we got white church, black church, Hispanic church, millennial church, old people church. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Young people church, old people church, millennials are too old already, Gen Z church. Poor people church. 
Rich people church, middle class people church, lower middle class people church. And Jesus didn't say, go to everybody that looks like you, that's the same color as you, that speaks with the same accent as you, that makes the same amount of money as you, that is, in the, that is interested in the same things you are. No, he said, go make disciples of all kinds of people. And the third word is make. We got authority, go and make disciples don't make themselves and Jesus doesn't make them either anymore <laughs> he did but he doesn't anymore making disciples is our job and it requires loving patient intentional and sometimes hard work work like we read in Corinthians there with Paul and Apollos lots of planting and lots of watering and lots of growing okay it requires work discipleship requires relationship according to jesus model discipleship happens best in small groups and we're going to talk more about this in the upcoming weeks because we're about to have encounter church y'all think we had e-groups and they were good we're about to have an e-group explosion because we're about to go make more and more disciples in our city in jesus name and listen, I'm looking at a room full of disciple makers, not just seven leaders that are doing it all. I'm looking out at a congregation today and I see in every one of you, you are a disciple maker. If you have decided to follow Jesus, you can invite others to follow him too. I don't care if you've been following him for two days or 27 years. If you have made the decision to follow Jesus, you can invite others to follow Jesus. If you are a disciple, an old one, a young one, or somewhere in between. If you're just a disciple, you can make other disciples. But I'm not mature yet. That's all right. Y'all. Jesus had resurrected from the dead. And he comes, in Matthew 28, read before what I read. And it says he came to them, resurrected from the dead. And it said they worshiped, but some doubted. And he didn't do anything about it, but say, go make disciples. All right. He didn't say, well, since some of you are doubting, let me spend three more years pouring into you and doing life with you and meeting one-on-one -on -one until I resolve all your doubts and counsel you out of all of your issues, and then you can go make disciples. He didn't. You know what? Go make disciples. You, you figure out the doubts. Making disciples is for every disciple, not just expert ministers. Come on, tell somebody. You know more than somebody. You know Jesus even if it's just a little bit more than somebody else. So you can teach them. Which is number four, teach. We got authority, go, make, teach. Come on, somebody. We're going to stop hoping Jesus makes disciples, and we're going to go make them. we got to teach them. Discipleship is all about the word of God. Because Jesus said, teach these new disciples all my commands. And how many of us have realized you can't learn all his commands overnight? <laughs> it's a process. It takes time. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but it takes some time to teach somebody to follow Jesus.
Because discipleship, I said it a minute ago, happens best in small groups. Discipleship is a relationship, but bear with me. Discipleship requires much more than just a relationship. Discipleship is not just friendship. You can have plenty of friends that you're not discipling. In fact, I encourage you, have some friends that you're not discipling on all the time. And have some disciples that might not even be your best friends yet. Jesus taught his disciples many things before he ever called them his friends. He did. He didn't call them his friends until they started obeying. (laughs) He said, now you're my friends because you do what I say. Some of y'all going to take that the wrong way. Like, you're not going to be my friend until you do what I say. (laughs) Jesus is the authority, not you. Come on. But discipleship is more than just a relationship. And because it requires education, too. In fact, we kind of have a little formula here, if you will. Not that it's all about the formula, but this is really how it works. And that is education plus relationship leads to discipleship, or that is discipleship, okay? If it's just a relationship, well, great, you got a friend. And if it's just education, if you're just teaching somebody, then great, you have a student. But if you're teaching someone and having a relationship with that person as you teach them, then you got a disciple. Number five, by the way, this is why we have the E-Track. Everybody say E-Track. I'm not going to talk about the E-Track, but we will more later because it's all about learning to follow him. Number five, and this is the best part of it all, presence. Some of y'all were wondering when was I going to get back to presence. <laughs> Sounds like an awful lot of work. It is. But the best part of it all is that we're not alone in this daunting task. The best part of disciple making, the best part of being a disciple of Jesus and making disciples for Jesus is that he's with us. He promised. See, the presence of Jesus is a promise for disciples. Notice Jesus did not tell the world at large, I'm with you always. He didn't. He didn't say, everybody on the planet, behold, I am with you to the end of the age. No. He told his disciples, go and make more disciples. And as you do, I'm with you. See, presence is the prize of discipleship. Presence is the prize of following Jesus and inviting others to follow Jesus too. Jesus is with us and I'm glad that we get to enjoy the presence too that's why we call presence driven discipleship if you want to stand up you can thank you so much for tuning in today I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.